strapped in the trenches Making moves going all out Every day handle business You know that the hustle don't stop Got my team, let's get it Reviewing books and talk stocks Steady keep it moving So you gon' wanna tune in Get Lowdown, it's an app Get local food on demand Delivery right to your home Everything in the palm of your hand Took hard work and dedication Come through, join the conversation This is history up in the making We just wanna be an inspiration Hey, let's go Welcome to another episode of Bootstrapped in the Trenches. I uh, hope everybody's doing well. Thanks for tuning in. We've got a very interesting guest today. Dominic Rinelli will be joining us. And guys, this should be cool. He's an actual M&A guy. So I know we've over the years had a lot of experiences with that world. And his whole slogan is now is the perfect time to buy or sell a business. He's the owner and managing partner of Sun Acquisitions, a Chicago-based mergers and acquisitions firm. He's also a speaker, author, and host of the M&A Unplugged podcast. So maybe we can go on his podcast. And he specializes in helping the owners of privately held companies with revenues between 2 and $30 million, scale, acquire, and sell businesses. He's been involved in over 300 sales transactions helping businesses, and he specializes in certified business intermediary. So this is the guy that you, you know, we talk about having a specific skill set in the world. He's got one. He helps businesses get paid and moves on to the next one. So I can't wait to hear if he has any specific stories he's able to talk about. Maybe there's some fun war stories. I don't, maybe he'll be able to tell us without mentioning a company by name, but this, we haven't had a guest like this on before. So it should be interesting because I know we're always kind of curious how that world works behind closed doors. So it'll be cool. I'm actually really pumped to get him on. Yeah. That sounds like a cool one. Definitely. So that'll be good. We got Quizmaster Sean coming on. And until then, before we go over Corey's stuff, Dan, anything you wanted to highlight? I mean, the main thing were, I guess, all the sporting events from the weekend, starting with the big fight night in Abu Dhabi. Did you guys watch that? I did not. I didn't watch it, but I, I saw the highlights of Connor getting knocked out. Yeah, I watched it. I've kinda, I'm kind of, I don't want to say into the UFC, but it's grown on me over the years. I can, Why do you I, think it's grown on you? I don't know. I find it kind of fascinating when I'm watching it. I'm just, I'm into it. Whenever I watch it, the women fights, the men fights, they're all- well, it's, it's humanity. When you think about it, it's like survival in there. Like those, it must be such a crazy feeling like being in the octagon where you're like, oh, well, this is like a, if I don't fight here, I'm dead. Exactly. It's wild. And also yeah. it was cool watching it because it was like every fighter was, and I'm exaggerating a little bit, but they were like from all different parts of the world. And it was uh -huh. just cool kind of seeing- you know, how different people are built from different parts of the world. And like, you obviously going into it before they even fight, you're thinking in your head, like, oh man, this dude's from Russia. He looks like super tough. He's gonna, he's gonna whoop this other, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can tell, and it's weird because going into those fights, it's, you think you know who the winner is gonna be, and then he ends up getting his ass kicked. And you're like, oh man, I didn't see that coming. Exactly. Yeah. Especially with like everything going on with Connor and Jake Paul, the YouTube guy. Where the YouTube Jake Paul's been calling him out nonstop, and he wouldn't fight him, and now he just got knocked out. So you wonder why he wouldn't fight him. It's like, well, maybe he's past, he's over the hump. Well, at first it was like Dana White wasn't letting the fight happen because he thought it was bad for UFC. Um, but I don't know. I think boxing and this doing it with influencers is great for the UFC. It gives them a ton of exposure. 
I agree. I, and I also think it's one of those things. It's one thing if it was in Conor McGregor's prime prime. It's not. He's not at that point anymore. He already had his illustrious big wins and underdog wins, and he's been paid and then some. Now it, it helps. I agree with you, Corey. I think it helps them piggyback to more success. When yeah. you, those, you know, it gets eyeballs Dan paying attention now. Yeah, even boxing in general. Boxing's making a comeback because of all these YouTube fighters. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. I mean, boxing, my biggest thing, the reason I love for our viewers, UFC versus boxing, I'll never forget as a kid. Well, this was WrestleMania, but I look at boxing as the same thing. Not saying boxing is fake, like wrestling is an act, but I just remember when our dad, Corey and Bob, uh, Dan and I, we were, at, I'll never forget, we were at a WrestleMania at Madison Square Garden when I was like seven. The one, the, like the one, the one with Bret Hart, Yaku Zuno. Like That's the awesome. I used to love that. Yeah, and I remember being so pumped until Bob, which he loved doing when we were kids, just yanking the fairy tale away. It's like, hey, Bob, this is not reality. And I, I remember being so pumped at that event. He's like, Mike, you know this is fake, right? And I remember at the time just being like so let down when he said yeah. that. It's almost like telling a kid Santa Claus doesn't exist. Yeah, you know, same. You guys know how big I was in the sports. I was obsessed with that at that event. That would have been like... I would have been a big wrestling guy if Bob never did that. In hindsight, I'm glad he told me it was fake <laughs> at the time. But I think boxing, it's like Don King back in the day. You'd see the guy with the big gray spiky hair, whoever side he was on, somehow won the boxing match. So I never – I think UFC is way more legit in terms of not being fixed the way boxing and wrestling – Oh, yeah. Without that, I so just that, find UFC – is like hard to watch sometimes. I hate watching someone really get their ass kicked. Like it's people literally, it's insane. Sometimes I just find it hard to watch. I, there and, have been some bad beatdowns for sure where it's almost like, so this guy, and there have been deaths from yeah. these fights. So, I mean, yeah, man, I, it's like anything. You have enough of these and a bad punch in the wrong place, the guy's dead. But they know and saying that they go into this. A lot of these people are not normal everyday average Joes that could just be getting a job at a 7-Eleven. They're like no. modern day gladiators. It's like they're sure. not able to function unless they have that outlet. So I think that it's part of their medicine. Yeah. And then um, I don't know if he used to announce boxing and switched over to UFC, but that Bruce Benner guy or Bruce Buffer. Bruce Buffer. Dan, keep in mind, he's like the announcer guy for big fights. So he's always been oh, him yeah. and Michael uh, Buffer. The Is Buffer. That guy kills it. He was the one. Yeah. He just gets so into every single. Insert. Oh yeah, he and didn't transfer over. He's just the guy that gets paid for the big fight. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Well, he was obviously there, and he was oh, what a dream job that is. Yeah, and to be honest, Dana White is just such a genius in my eyes. The guy creates such a show-like atmosphere, and it, he has a way of figuring out how to really keep it like the audience engaged. Well, I think we have, I think he has Vince McMahon to thank for laying down that foundation. I know it's way different with wrestling, but the whole, like, as we know, everything's building storylines in a community aspect. I think he definitely took a lot of pages from Vince McMahon's book. When he was and he's yeah. Dana White's a genius in his own right, but if you always can learn things from previous generations and how things are done. He must've utilized that framework. Yeah, and like after the fight, you'll see one of the fighters call out another fighter saying how he wants to fight him next. And to an extent, that's the stuff that's staged. And, you know, where 
you know these people are being told like hey after this fight if you win like this is the guy you want to call out because it's going to create a really good storyline you know floyd mayweather's but money mayweather's been the king of that over the yeah. years think about how much more money he's made off that hype yeah and there was a lot of that going on this weekend at that fight where it was just guys calling out other guys after they win it kind of just keeps the excitement going then you're thinking about the next fight because you're like oh man like i want to see this like this is exciting you know yeah, yeah. keep yeah. everyone captivated and then, yeah, talking about, you know, the NFL recap, I know, you know, Brady Mahomes, I mean, it's not a shock. I, I was personally calling for Packers bill before this game. So that's why I don't bet on the NFL anymore. It's uh, very challenging, but talk about an awful decision. And I know it's easy to say that in hindsight, but the Packers coaching there. Going really for not, I, I was, that's yeah. an easy thing to say, not in the reason it, it is it's one of those things when you looked at the percentage breakdown it was slightly the worst call at the time barely from a percentage standpoint. Like, he was gonna but, need another touchdown either way like was yeah, it no matter what they need a touchdown no I, it was more it was it's just a lot of these guys here's the problem with when you rely too much on data these days which you know every team has that data guy that's on yeah, the, but when you have Aaron Rodgers, you got to throw it out. Oh, Corey, I'm with you. I think that's yeah, one of those. No, it's it, it's a, yeah, it's a game time decision that you, when you have arguably the most talented quarterback in history going up against a guy that you know you don't want to give a chance to be in his 10th Super Bowl. We're 10th Super Bowl, Tom Brady, 10. Exactly. So that was, it's hard to defend that choice. And it's one of those things where, that was that was brutal. I would not want to be a Packers fan today because it's one thing to lose at the end with another way. That's tough. I will say that if I'm a Packers fan, the way I'm looking at it is we were going to lose either way. Even if Aaron Rodgers went for it, got the touchdown, I agree. the two-point conversion, then you're putting the ball back in Brady's hands with two minutes left, you're going to lose the game. At the end of the day, the Packers, you tough, but... both the chance to, at the end, you're done. Yeah. yeah. Like even it's remember cool. the Super Bowls that Eli beat Brady in. If you recall, the reason the Giants won, even that one with the – we were scared at the way, way end with that Hail Mary that was in front of Randy Moss. If you give that guy an inkling of hope, he's going to beat you. Definitely. Like an and and the Giants game, he needed a touchdown, so we were a little less worried. How do you but even, and even then, though, Dan, we were still holding our breaths. Like, it's like, oh, it's crazy. Yeah. So that was – and the other game, you know, man, Mahomes I, – I, and I don't see Tampa beating Kansas City. I think Patrick Mahomes is just – that once in a generational dude. And you just see he has a knack for just getting in that zone that sports psychologists love to talk about, but it's literally like he's playing with kits on a playground. Yeah, yeah. He also has so many weapons. So many weapons, but yesterday watching, the Bills have a very good defense, and that guy, he just went up not – he was already, in my mind, the best quarterback now in the league, but he yesterday's game just made me think, like, damn, this dude is – next next level like it's just going to be hard to fathom him not winning five plus super bowls yeah it could be one of the the torch moments and that's like going to be like a big story i agree i I don't see brady and i'm not going to say they don't have a chance because of course they do you can't the tampa bay has a very good chance of beating kansas city in that game dude jason paul's a beast i I was gonna say tampa's d look pretty good they yeah. are. I mean, dude, Jason Pierre-Paul, we all know his days in the Giants and his prime. That guy could still play. He's not old. I know. He's a monster. He's been making big plays. And anyone that can blow off half their hand 
it, that it is a defensive end. It shows his athleticism. He's always been a freak of nature, that dude. Big time. He reminded me of Javon. That was one of the most obvious bets in the world, betting on Kansas City when the Bills went up 9 nothing at the beginning. Of the oh, yeah. The oh, line. yeah, no, I was thinking I that, too. Yeah. Because yeah. when that first happened, I was like, man, I bet you the live odds here are perfect for KC. I know. I was thinking to myself, like, I could see the Bills going up by 20. And then at halftime, things just turning hard. I mean, you remember last year with KC, they made all those comebacks where against Houston that week in the playoffs, they just out of nowhere, it was like, boom, turned it yeah. up. No, for sure. So that'll be interesting to see. That storyline will be good. Will it be the passing of the torches or is Tom Brady just going to be like, hey, bud, I'm not done here yet? Could be, could be that. I could see Tom Brady. It was interesting because I saw a stat that Tom Brady now is tied with Drew Brees and – who is the other guy? Oh, man, this is going to kill me. But for most NFC championship wins. <laughs> yeah, like, you. Sorry, you guys. Uh, he's in a league of his own and then some. Oh, yeah, Aaron Rodgers. It was Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers. Somehow, and you know what? Aaron Rodgers had a great career, but I'm sorry. Yesterday, that hurt for him, for his legacy, man. Oh, That's yeah. just a game that you can't lose if you're Aaron Rodgers yesterday. I'm sorry. Like, I don't look at him in the category of the Tom Brady. I don't care – Talent, and this is where you go back to when careers are over with quarterbacks, it allows fans and like all the writers to look back. Eli Manning was a first ballot Hall of Famer, and we see more and more as time's elapsing, elapses wide. The guy won two Super Bowl MVPs. Look how hard it is to win a second Super Bowl. For sure. Uh, it's not like, oh, Aaron Rodgers, yeah, he's a beast. He's and I kept thinking that I'm like, it's Aaron Rodgers, of course, I'll win too. He's not winning another Super Bowl. No, he just they really don't have that many weapons. He like and also Tom Brady, honestly, in the second half, kind of looked pretty crappy. Like he did. He, he did. started through like three picks. He's 43. Yeah. Like I, I really thought Green Bay was gonna make a comeback. That's I'm really gonna, why I have a hard time seeing Mahomes losing to Brady. I just yeah, think when comes to shove, too many he had, he's too good to be beat like quarterback to quarterback in that game. It's so amazing, though, that Tom Brady's able to just switch teams at this point in his career and bring that team to the Super Bowl. And I mean, did the Bucs even make the playoffs last year? I know they have a good team. Well, in their defense, yeah. the Bucs, no, but they do have like their weapons. Are, of course, Brady, you got to give him a ton of credit. And Bruce Arians is also a great offensive mind. And Brady you know, leaves the Patriots, and the Patriots missed the playoffs for the first time in like a decade. Really, the first time since Brady was injured that one year. And then he goes, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's, it's actually incredible because I used to think, and I'm sure a lot of fans thought this, is, okay, Brady is obviously the man, but is a lot of this just the right setup with the Patriots? And to me, this like just solidifies Brady as just the greatest player of all time. Whereas I mean, there's no doubt Belichick is as good as Brady when it comes to all of that. It's just, yeah. Of course, Brady looks yeah, phenomenal. This was like the first time they both parted ways, and it was a very interesting test to see. Like, okay, whose team is going to continue the journey with or without right. the guy? And it was Tom. Yeah. You know? I also think it was like Cam Newton was a terrible choice. Terrible. He kind of just – he sucks, <laughs> to be honest. He has no shoulder anymore. Like, the guy can't, yeah, he throw, can't throw the ball. And no. I feel like – and he and they almost made the playoffs – Oh, Belichick is so phenomenal. It's I think that's an unfair. I know they're going to constantly bring it up now, but I think in general, and even if you talk to them both one-on-one, I bet they'd be like, dude, this is such a ridiculous thing. Like, I'm sure Brady's amped internally that he won without Belichick just to do it. But he also knows if you asked him, he'd be like, Belichick's the best coach of all time. Hands yeah. Down. For sure. So I, I think people that are all of a sudden thinking, oh, Belichick had nothing to do with that. That's a load of crap. 
I'm surprised like, Rodgers yesterday didn't like stop his coach at the end of the game. I was like, wait, what are you talking about, man? Like, we have to go for this. This is a chance to talk. Oh, yeah. Hey, man. yeah, it's so funny. I had the same thought. I, I don't understand why he let that happen. And he He's didn't like, really show any emotion about it. Brady wouldn't have allowed that. That's the thing. Like you, there are certain guys that just would not have actually allowed he that. Called it off. 100%. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers almost strikes me as the guy that like was deep down a little happy that that was the call. That way, he had like someone to point the finger at after the game was over. I don't know if he did that. I think he's just a passive aggressive dude that like always has a way of just not being transparent in the moment like that. Like, I've heard that happen. Yeah, if you're Aaron Rodgers in that moment, you must be thinking in your head like we can't take this. This is this is the game. I would be demanding yeah. the ball there. He also yeah. easily ran it in second and third. Yeah. Uh, yep. You yeah. know, it's always easy to pinpoint, you know, pick those things apart. When you're in the moment in those situations, it's just, it's a different ball. Say, you know, it's wild he didn't try and at least run it in one of those two times because it looked like both times he had an open path. The second down one, it looked like he was probably going to get tackled. But the third down one, like he had a wide opening. Just he could have walked in. Yeah. Yep. I don't know why he threw that. And then, yeah. honestly, that play with Scotty Miller at the end of the second half, or that at the end of the first half on that Hail Mary 50-yard, how do you let that happen? How do you let the Bucks throw a 50-yard touchdown with eight seconds left? That, that was, a, that well, that was the end of the game, really. That was the end of the game. Yeah. If that, that didn't happen in that game, the Giants beat the Packers with that Hail Mary to Hakeem Nicks at the end of that uh, playoff game on that second run of the Super Bowl they had. I remember when that happened. I'm like, oh, the Packers just lost. But yeah. you can't allow things like that in those types of moments. Yeah, you can't make those mistakes. Before we get Quizmaster Kanj on here, we also have Corey brought up here. Yeah, Rip Larry King. What a legend. I mean, over 30,000 interviews. That guy, he was the one good thing CNN ever did. Yeah. Uh, so that was cool. I mean, not cool to see, but he had quite the career. And, uh, yeah, he passed. But also the 76-day lockdown of Wuhan began a year ago. Damn. Which is pretty crazy. Now we're back to normal there, which is also very interesting. And China was the only major economy to grow last year and recorded fewer than 100,000 COVID cases, allegedly, which we all know is bogus. But the upcoming Lunar New Year will put China's COVID response to the test as 200 million are expected to travel. That's interesting. Yeah, we should have uh, Wuhan one-year anniversary from the lockdowns. That's kind of crazy to think about. It's felt like that uh, That's crazy. And, and yeah, Clubhouse, the app we're all on now, is now valued at a billion dollars and they have no revenue yet. You know, with the world we live in, if you have a dope concept that draws a lot of attention, you're a billionaire. So, yeah. well, what's what's great is they're going to start paying creators, which is awesome. That's what Snapchat did, TikTok, yep. all these platforms. And that's how Instagram is going to have to adapt to start paying creators. Obviously, it all started with YouTube. Yeah. And creators and made a ton of millionaires. As yeah, I was actually supposed to get on with Jake and someone on the horn with like one of the big guys there to go over like some stuff with stocks. We'll we'll talk offline about that, guys, because that could be something that we could do. You know, Jake's in with the one of the guys that started that, and it sounds like they're looking for people that are actually credible to start anchoring with things. And yeah, of course, I read Jake, that. the stocks back and forth. He's been pushing us hard with that. And most people on there have no idea what they're talking about, like next level when it comes to that. So that could be cool. Like if, if for anything, for that matter, we should really start thinking about that. We could probably put ourselves in a position to host one of those rooms. That would be awesome. Yeah. 
Um, and then recreational cannabis sale begins uh, began on Friday in Arizona, 15th state to broadly legalize marijuana. We know where all that's going, federally legal soon. So that that's great. And uh, Google threatening to end the search in Australia due to government request of profit sharing, which is awesome. Smaller news media companies. So that'll yeah, be interesting cool. how that fight goes. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because it, it, it will help small media, but it hurts small business at the same time. Yeah, exactly. It's always a catch-22. And with that, yeah. speaking of non-catch-22, it's Quizmaster Sean. Boom, baby. Boom, baby. Howdy, folks. Cowboy Sean here today. In my home. How are you doing, y'all? Where's your drink? Did you go cold party all of a sudden? We run a dry farm around here. Oh, it's green okay. tea. Oh, wow. <laughs> Time's just oh. on the wagon. What's in the green tea, Cameron? Uh, yeah, a bit of bourbon. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Time needs that liquor. It's it's definitely 5 o'clock somewhere. Yeah, you know, it's a lot of stress running a uh, hairless cat farm. So, oh, wow. Look who it is. We do <laughs> our best cat. around here. Can you get a cat? That's Aaliyah's cat. Okay. Best cat of all time, though, by far. Like, I, I have never met a cat that I've been more enthused by. Yeah, we got 27 of them down here on the farm. Breed them more every day. Yeah. Okay. So, Conj, well, let's get rocking here. We got about 10 minutes. We got to go. Sounds good. Damn, Mike. Boy, you got ready? Sounds good. All right. Dan, uh, you're the returning non champ. Uh, first of all, you still got any of those packages over there? I haven't gotten any in a while. I've moved. I got four packages. I got mine. From, I got mine from two weeks ago. All right, let's see. Got, that actually got, we were supposed to start with Corey eating his package. Oh yeah, yeah. That's, Corey. That's what I'm. That's what I'm doing. I either Perfect. got a peach, a peach jelly bean, or a barf jelly bean. I don't know. It doesn't tell you what is what. Whoa. Or what are you eating? Both of those at once? How are you? Wait, one. This one's peach. You could tell, like, yeah. That, that looked too good. Did you say the second one was barf? Yeah. Yeah, uh, so basically, Sean sent me a package of jelly beans. It's, some are good flavors, some are bad. You don't know what's what. They're all the same color. Some are different. And it, the two I took out are orange, so it was either peach or barf. <laughs> I'm worried Conj was about to take a handgun out of his pocket and shoot me through the computer screen. Oh, boy. He has that look. I am for you losing four of my packages, Dan. God damn it. I'm just You're ready. You're looking for he's like ready for a duel in like one of those saloons <laughs> of the old yeah, cowboy. The Twitter's blowing up. They want to know why your accent has pulled a complete 180 from the prior, you know, dozen game shows that we posted. Wow. Well, I spent the last week down in uh Alabasas, Texas. Uh you manage my business, so I've picked up some of the local customs since then. You know how it goes, Dan. You know yeah. that from your from your week in London when you came back with a, a English accent like Madonna did. Oh, we don't like to talk about that weekend, but uh, have you been oh, hunting gophers? Well, you know, it's stripping is always a hard business to get into. So, Dan, your categories are uh, Cowboy Sean, Ouch, My Hazelnuts, There's Always Money in the Banana Stand, Eastbound in coffee grounds. Who's who brought the beer and like Mike? I'm gonna do. There's always money in the banana stand. It's always money in the banana Here. stand. But great show. 
It is a good show. Uh, bananas contain potassium, which can cause death in large quantities. How many bananas would the average 150-pound person need to eat to die from a potassium overdose? Is it 40, 400, 4,000, or 40,000? I mean, 40 is a lot of bananas, but I can't really picture an overdose from 40. I'm going to go with 400. 400. Good job, Dan. Good. That would have been the easiest question of all time so far. Say that about every question. No, that was a given, Dan. You knew that. Well, next up is Corey. How are we doing there? I'm doing well, cowboy. All right, your categories are cowboy life, ouch, my hazelnuts, eastbound and coffee grounds, who brought the beer, and like Mike. I'll go, who brought the beer? Who brought the beer? Apparently this state, per capita, which state consumes the most alcohol in the U.S.? Is it New Hampshire, Texas, Florida, or Arizona? Ooh, I'll go with New Hampshire. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Ooh, good logic, and it is right. That was a great call. Mm. Mike, you gave a face as if you thought that was an easy question. It definitely was. Well, I did, but I, I, I thought Corey was going to get a trap there. Conj made that one like too obvious that it was like New Hampshire because I thought Corey would fall for the Texas, like everything. Yeah, I figured that made the most sense. Yeah, I personally would have guessed Arizona because of them party boys down there. But hey, I guess it's New Hampshire. Mike, are you going to defend your lunch today? Always. Always. Your categories are cowboy life, ouch my hazelnuts, eastbound and coffee grounds, and like Mike. Like Mike. Like Mike. What was Michael Jordan's typical pregame meal? Was it chicken and broccoli, spaghetti with extra meatballs, two bowls of cereal, or steak and potatoes? Mike knows Oh man, I actually don't know that, but I'm I, I'm gonna go with spaghetti and extra meatballs. Spaghetti and extra meatballs. Oh, I'm sorry. Steak and mashed potatoes. No, Mike. It was steak and potatoes. Oh, get out of here. He was an old school type of guy, old school type of player. I don't know. I knew that. That was so stupid. That's an interesting pregame ritual, steak and potatoes. Doesn't sound right to me. No. Well, that's why he's the coach. Yeah, I feel like it would slow you down if anything. Yeah. It's Michael Jordan. Apparently nothing slows yeah, that. Man. That was such an obvious play. He's not going to be the norm with spaghetti and meatballs. Come on. That's all. Nah. Well, now it's halftime. We got one one zero. Mike's got to catch up to win his lunch back. How are we feeling, Mike? Not too pleased. I don't like losing time. Well, you might not because you still got the daily double on the board here. And that brings us up to Dan. Dan, we got Cowboy Life, Ouch My Hazelnuts, and Eastbound Coffee Grounds. I'm going to go Eastbound Coffee Grounds. Eastbound and Coffee Grounds. Which of these is not a use for coffee grounds? Is it skin, a skin, drank too much today. Is it a skin exfoliator, an insect repellent, a plant fertilizer, or a wound disinfectant? Which one does it not do? A wound disinfectant. Wound disinfectant and fans on fire today. Again, two for two. Unbelievable. Look at this guy. Don't rub coffee grounds on your wounds, folks. It won't work. Well, there we go. We got uh, Corey up next. Corey, you got to pull up your jeans to the top Dan here. We got uh, Cowboy Life and uh, Ouch My Hazelnuts. I'll go with Cowboy Life. 
Cowboy Life, according to the Department of Agriculture, how many cows are currently living in the United States? Is it 36 million, 95 million, 244 million, or 545 million? Wow, I have no clue. I'll go with uh, 244 million. 244 million. Cows. Unfortunate. He does not know his cowboy facts. It's 9 to 5 million. It's a lot of cows. Oh, boy. The real question is, how many hairless cats are there? I know at least 27 are here. That's something. <laughs> Mike. All right. You know what that it. means. One Before question left. On here. Hopefully, I don't go out a loser. Yeah. Ouch, my hazel nuts. <laughs> there we go. Jump the line here. And it is. This country produces 73% of the world's supply of hazelnuts. Is it Turkey, China, India, or Brazil? Turkey, China, India, or Brazil? Oh, man. I'm going to go with Turkey, China, India, Brazil. I got to go with China here. Ooh, is it China? Oh, no, it is Turkey. Turkey. Oh. Turkey. Yeah, oh, man, I knew that, That's brutal. I had two two times in a row today I second-guessed myself. That's what happens. You got me, Conch. If you eat hazelnuts, they're probably from Turkey. And I oh. knew that because I did that once for a trivia for us. That's what's so ridiculous. I remember <laughs> reading that about the Nutella. Awful. That memory is usually a lockbox, but not today. Well, Too I guess I'll go three times. We'll start next week off with uh, we're going to have to get me a package. Indeed. we don't. Well, everyone's going to do a punishment next week because y'all are due. Well, thanks for coming on, Quizmaster Khan. I'll be a loser. I lost my lunch. Mike, And now we have the one and only Dominic Rinaldi joining us. Can't wait to have him on. How are you, Dominic? Good. How are you? Pretty good, man. Thanks for joining us. I was just telling the guys, like, I'm very excited to talk to you because we've always been fascinated by the M&A space. And we're in the food delivery space, which has been a pretty hot topic in that world. And uh, for starters, we'd just love to hear what, how, what's the craziness been like the last year for you with all this going on? Yeah, you know, uh, people are surprised. We're coming off of our best year ever. And not by, not by a slim margin. We crushed our previous best year. Uh, it, was, it was an unbelievable 2020. We had more people flooding into the market to buy for sure. And uh, we were lucky that we had some clients um, that were healthy, their businesses were healthy, and, um, and they were ready to transact. And so combination of a lot of buyers and some really healthy businesses, and uh, it was an incredible year. Congratulations, Dominic. Thanks. That's awesome. So what, what do you think the reason is during the pandemic that triggered so much more consolidation? Well, you have a couple of things going on. So when you look at the different types of buyer groups that you have, you have uh, institutional buyers, private equity groups, right? And pre-pandemic, they had raised about $1.5 trillion to go out and make acquisitions. And so the pandemic hit and they needed to take a deep breath to figure out if they needed to use some of that money to keep some of their existing investments alive. But once they got everything shored up, they've had, they still had all that money to go make investments. So they, after a short respite, came right back out and were doing the transactions. 
Then you have strategics. These are companies that are looking to grow through acquisition. Pre-pandemic, a lot of companies had pretty healthy balance sheets, a lot of cash on the balance sheet. And so pandemic hits and they're looking at this as a great opportunity to go out and make acquisitions, especially maybe some competitors, some distressed assets. And then the third group of buyers are like individuals and high net worth individuals and, and investor groups. And we saw many more of those flood into the marketplace because there was no other place to put their money. And uh, business acquisition is a great place. You also had a lot of individuals lose their jobs or get furloughed, get downsized, and buying a business is a great way to replace your income. So, Wow, that's interesting. Do you have a specific type of client that you prefer working with out of those? You know, I don't. I, I don't. They're, they, they're all uh, interesting in their own right. They can all be fun. They can all be maddening. Uh, you know, so no, I, I don't. Um, I love the process. That, so Dominic, take us through what's a day in the life like for you in the M&A world? Like what, what does that entail? Yeah. So, you know, today it's a bit different because I have a self-managing business. So I'm not doing my own transactions anymore. I have a, a large team of folks that are doing it. But, you know, the day in the life of an M&A advisor is very very hectic uh, and strange. You know, you could have a day where there's a not a lot going on. Nobody's picking up the phone. Nobody wants to talk to you. And the next day you're negotiating deals. You're, you're doing a pitch to win some new business. You're working with bankers to see if you can line up money. And so, you know, you've got to be uh, good at a lot of different things in order to be able to pull together a transaction or even get a client to take them to the marketplace. And so uh, our M&A advisors are highly skilled people who are capable of doing a lot of things and, and multitasking is you know, high at the list. Wow. Uh, yeah, it sounds like quite the exhilarating process. And when did you first realize that you had a passion and skill set for mergers and acquisitions like this? You know, it wasn't until after I, uh, I, I bought this business. Oh, wow. Uh, I acquired this business. It's been around for over 20 years. I bought it about 16 years ago. And um, it was about a year and a half in to owning this that I realized, one, <clears throat> I loved it. And two, I had a unique ability uh, to be good at it. And uh, pretty quickly, I became the rainmaker of the firm and continued to be the rainmaker for many years until I finally decided, uh, you know, it was time to have a self-managing business. Wow. Donna, what, were you, what were you doing previously? Yeah. So prior, prior to that, that yeah, I, you know, I had spent my early, early part of my career in corporate America with a, a Fortune 500 company. Uh, I spent 14 years there, worked my way up the ranks. Last couple of years, I actually ran a division, a national sales and support organization. And then after that, I rolled out and was part of a couple of internet startups, raised over $100 million of venture capital, built you know one of those businesses up to pretty substantial size. Um, so you know that was my background before I decided to own my own business. But I'd say owning my own business was sort of always in my heart from the early days. Uh, but I knew I needed to gain some skills and experiences before I, I went out and ventured on my own. 
Dominic, do you have any specific stories that come to mind, like favorite stories from an acquisition you helped bring in, like a certain company, or even if you can't mention the name, anything come to mind? You know, there are so, I mean, I've, I've got over 300 transactions that I've been personally involved in. The firm has over 400. And so, you know, it's impossible to pinpoint one. But what I pinpoint for you is what really gets me excited about this is when you see an owner who's built a business over 20, 30, 40, multiple generations of years, and you can help them then sell that business and secure the future for themselves and maybe their extended family, it's a great feeling. And then on the flip side of it, you get to see somebody who's always you know, wanted to make an acquisition or own their first business, you help them do that. There's, you know, a certain gratification and a high that comes with that. And so, and luckily, you know, with that many deals under my belt, I've gotten to experience that a lot. See, that's incredible. I never thought of it that way, where on both ends of the party, on one end, somebody's being rewarded for what they brought to society. On the other end, you're helping somebody put in place being in charge of a company. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a wow. great, it's a great feel. It's, it never gets old ever. Do you have like a limit for a size of a company that it needs to be certain size of revenue in order for you to either help them buy another company or help them sell type of thing? Yeah. So we don't really go by revenue. We go by enterprise value. So typically when we represent the owner of a business, we're focused on businesses that have $50 million or less of enterprise value. So that, you know, the total value of the enterprise. Um, when we're looking to help people buy a business, uh, we'll do just about any size. We've, we, you know, we'll go up to 100 million, 150 million. So it's a different ball game when you're, look, when you're representing professional buyers who want to go out and acquire something versus somebody who wants to sell their family owned business. We don't do public transactions. So we're really focused on the privately held, closely held businesses. Dominic, have you ever been utterly shocked by a valuation where you've been helping somebody get acquired and you're like, wow, I didn't see that coming? Y yes. I mean, without a doubt. And by the way, I've also been surprised on the other side where I thought, you know, it was a rock star business and it just didn't gain any traction. And, um, you know, I, what's really interesting about that question is it's not some of the businesses you would normally think of, like software. Everybody thinks immediately software, Right crazy multiple tech, anything tech related. But there are somebody, there are some really unsexy businesses that get a tremendous amount of activity because a couple of reasons. One, uh, China can't do it. Amazon, Amazon can't do it. Uh, you know, it, it's not going to get outsourced. It's recession proof. And it's these unsexy businesses that, uh, sometimes can really get tremendous multiple we call we call it multiples multiples of EBITDA which is right. your, your measurement of value um, I'm surprised sometimes at what happens there could you give some examples of some of those businesses I know you deal with a lot but it's just yeah. interesting because I think a good point that you make also is that not everyone is technology oriented and yeah. there's a lot companies in this world that are really successful that have nothing to do with technology. Absolutely. And most of the times when you think about companies getting acquired and people, you know, getting rich off selling their companies, you think of all these 
sexy dot com companies or apps or you know software companies, but what are some examples of you know multi million dollar businesses that have zero to do with technology that have just yeah been relational? You know, I, I'll give you I'll give you a couple examples of deals that we've done. So we sold an industrial cleaning business uh, in the food industry. So they went in and you know they clean these big vats. You know, those massive Hobart, you know, like yeah. they come in and clean that stuff. They clean grease traps. I mean, can you get any less sexy than that? But, <laughs> but they, have, they have hundreds of clients. They're on maintenance contracts. They go out a couple of times a year. I mean, it's a repeatable business. You know, again, China's not going to do it. Amazon's not going to compete with you. I mean, and it's, you know, it's dirty business, but... Uh, it's amazing what the margins are in that business and the re repeatability of the of the revenues. And uh, it, it, they, those types of businesses always get a lot of action. Another one that I can think of is HVAC, heating, ventilation, and air conditioning businesses. So think yeah. about um, you know every structure has some sort of HVAC system, right? That needs to be serviced on a regular basis, not sexy, but you're always you know, servicing those sorts of units or replacing them every replacing 10, 15 them. years, yeah. right? So another example of a business that isn't sexy, but certainly gets a lot of activity every time we have one. And Dominic, is the the structure of how your company makes money, is it all the same or does it depend on the type of industry you're helping buy or sell? You know, so our compensation structure is typically we get some advanced fees depending on, you know, what the engagement is, the size of it, the complexity. Uh, and then the lion's share of our compensation comes if and when our client either buys or sells a business. Mm, okay. Uh, and we, we get paid at, at the closing table. That's fascinating. And what are you thinking coming out of this pandemic? Do you notice any trends that are starting to pick up in M&A that people might not be seeing that are going to come out of this? You know, I don't know that it, I, it's still it's still early. Um, mm. So I'm not quite certain yet what's going to happen. You, you, you throw the uh, on top of the pandemic, uh, the fact that we've just had an election here in the United States. Right. And in new parties in power. And now they they also have Senate control and House control. So you might start to see some tax changes. And when you start to see that, that could definitely impact uh, M&A. Right now, interest rates are very low. Money's everywhere. Tax rates are low. Capital gains rates are low. All those things tend to fuel M&A activity. You see some changes in those uh, uh, you know, mandates, then you could see a change in the M&A um, uh, market for sure. Interesting. Yeah, that's definitely something to keep a pulse on because I'm sure we'll be seeing a, a bit of a shift there at some point soon, right? Yeah, without a doubt. I, I will say, Mike, the interesting thing is, and you, you, you guys probably see this as well, there are companies who really made out, you know, I want to say during the pandemic, I mean, it's unbelievable what's happened to their businesses and you've had other businesses that have gotten crushed, right? So For it's sure. almost like the haves and the have nots. And it'll be interesting to see how that all shakes out, right? I mean, we know the tough times that restaurants and retail are having, but it goes way beyond those two sectors, right? Absolutely. So we'll see if there's a recovery in those other businesses and how fast it is and you know what that means for folks. 
there might be a complete recalibration of valuations uh, coming mm -hmm. out of this. So you think there's a chance a lot of these companies are just way overheated where they'll come back to life a bit of how multiples are looked at? Well, I'll tell you what, the marketplace was getting very heated at the end of last year. Uh, I mean, we would take a deal out to the marketplace, not uncommon for us to have five, six, 10 offers on a deal. And when you have that kind of activity, multiples go up, values go up. When you say the marketplace, like yeah. obviously I know you mean the general market, but where are you going to find these potential buyers? Oh, I have, I mean, buyers come to us from everywhere. I mean, even internationally, buyers will come to us uh, to help them acquire stuff. So th they're coming from everywhere. Um, how, do, it's, how do they find you? Well, um, through our marketing efforts, uh, they'll find us. We have engagements that we have listed for sale. Man, we call them mandates. So, you know, client that we're representing to sell, we'll market that. People will okay. see that out on the internet and they'll call us, which is, you know, a way. But I have a database over the 20 years that we, we've put together. It's 40,000 plus buyers. Wow. So when we have a deal, uh, we can slice and dice our database and figure out, okay, you know, this segment of our database is looking for manufacturing. Here's the new mandate we have. How many of these folks does it fit for? So usually we've got a couple of hundred people every time we bring in a new mandate. Wow. That's Very remarkable. And it's the world that you, uh, you work in. I'll say that. And it definitely doesn't get boring, right? Ever. <laughs> You know, the biggest challenge right now, uh, quite frankly, is good quality uh, listings, engagements, businesses mm -hmm. to take to the market. We have yeah. more than enough buyers. Uh, what we're really short of is enough uh, quality engagement. Yeah, it, it's and it's always been easier to get buyers. Um, it, it just always has been. Because I guess when you think about it, too, when you have a lot of companies that are really successful that have been around a long time, the owners probably don't want to sell their business. Is that well, something you pick up where it's like even if they get a great value valuation, they might just be like, oh, we're we love running this. Yeah, you know, it sort of depends. Right. I mean, I like to tell people that businesses really sell for human reasons unless somebody has treated their business as a complete investment which that, that's pretty rare. Most privately held companies, it's somebody's baby and it's their passion. And so those businesses usually trade when there's a personal reason. And what do I mean by that? So they're ready to retire. Uh, they're, they be, they've gotten a diagnosis of a terminal illness or a severe illness, and they have to sell the business. There is no next generation to take over and they have to sell it. Uh, maybe there's a divorce going on or a partnership breakup. Or maybe there's a downturn in the economy and they don't have enough cash on the balance sheet to withstand the downturn. And now they have to bring in investors or sell a business. So it's usually personal reasons that uh, drive people to, to sell their businesses. Life happens. That makes sense. Exactly right. It's exactly and Dominic, right. can you take us through your podcast, Unplugged? Like the, what the framework is with that? Yeah, so M&A Unplugged, we launched 18 months ago, and it's all about educating buyers and sellers about how to be better prepared for their transactions. 
So like I said earlier, we've been doing this a long time, helping people buy and sell. The number one pitfall by far, there isn't even a close number two. The number one pitfall is people don't really prepare for these transactions. Even when they think they prepared, we, we do an intake with them when we realize, boy, they, they just haven't done what they need to do. And why is that a problem? It's a problem because then they're not going to maximize their returns or they're introducing all sorts of risks that they could have mitigated if they had better prepared. And so mm. the, the thought behind m Unplugged, the podcast, was let's help people get smarter about transactions so they get better prepared. So when they are ready, they can go out with peace of mind, whether they're acquiring or selling, that they're maximizing uh, their returns. And on the heels of that, we launched a new practice uh, earlier last year called K2 Advisor. So our Sun Acquisitions practice is just focused on helping people buy and sell businesses. But K2 Advisor is going to work with people well in advance to help them be better prepared. So they can't do it themselves. If they don't want to DIY it, we'll be there to coach them and, and consult with them so they are better prepared. And I guess, Dominic, that kind of answers my next question partly, but I was going to bring up and maybe you have some other things to shed light on here, but somebody that's looking, whether it's to sell a business, buy a business or start something for the first time, what's the best piece of advice you would give from experience? Yeah, uh, it's uh, surround yourself with experienced M&A advisors, uh, an M&A attorney, an M&A accountant, M&A advisor like myself or, you know, someone someone that does transactions, because if you don't do this uh, often, there are so many pitfalls in buying a business that you could easily make some big mistakes. So surrounding yourself with, with people that do this for a living uh, is my number one piece of advice. I mean, yeah, it's shocking, that, but I'm sure it happens all the time where people don't do their due diligence and buy something they thought was something else. I, I, I'm sh yes, happens all the time, and I'm shocked. And we're not talking about a small amount of money, right? And so people will make these investments, and they didn't really do everything they needed to do to to minimize their risk. That yeah, that sounds dicey. And yeah. if someone if someone's buying a business. Like the broker, like you're making money off the selling side. So there's no right. reason, right? Like there's no reason if you're buying a business why they wouldn't want to hire someone like you just to hold their hand through the process, similar to if you're buying a house, right? Yeah, right. And, you know, in, a, in, in business transactions, uh, we don't represent uh, both parties, right? It, we either represent one or the other. There's no dual representation. So we'll represent buyers who want to go out and acquire something. And then, you know, we're guiding them. Or we'll represent sellers and we're guiding them, but we can't guide both people in the same transaction. So if you don't have somebody in a transaction, go get a team that can help you. Gotcha. That's yeah. great advice. I don't want to be asking. I know, obviously, it seems a little bit more obvious how the transaction fee works from the selling side, but the buyer side, how does that work? Are they just kind of paying you like a flat fee type of thing? No, it works the same way. So we'll get an advance fee and then we'll get a success fee on the back end um, based on the enterprise value. Uh, gotcha. And typically when buyers are retaining us, they're also retaining us to go actually find them businesses to acquire. So it's not just they found something and they need help. They actually want us to go out and find businesses, vet them, negotiate on them, help them with the diligence. So we're kind of doing the whole thing uh, for them. K2 
occasionally we'll get people who identified an opportunity and they want help with that specific opportunity. But, uh, but that's pretty rare. So have you had Are some you, clients that have been repeat customers with buying multiple businesses? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Wow. yeah. Especially on the corporate side, we've got a couple of corporate clients at this point in time that have used us now three, four times each wow. as they, as they want to go out and, you know, make new acquisitions. Are you able to disclose what the largest transaction your company did? Ever? Yeah, with, uh, yeah. So um, we've got about a 50, just shy of $50 million. Wow. Yeah. It's incredible. But our sweet spot, honestly, when you and when you think about businesses in the United States, privately held, closely held businesses, the majority of businesses do under $5 million in annual revenues. Right. Like it's 83% of all businesses do less than 5 million in annual revenues. So our sweet spot is usually five to 20 million of enterprise value. Mm. That's interesting. It's like that Pareto principle, the 80, 20 rule holds true for everything. Absolutely. Without a doubt. And Dominic, we obviously have to shift gears a bit being in the food business, get you yeah. with a couple of food questions. Do you have a favorite restaurant? You're in Chicago, right? Yeah, but I'm from New York. And oh, so wow. my favorite restaurant uh, is a little place on the Upper East Side in New York. That's where I live. Called, it's called Elio's. That's my favorite restaurant, 85 and <laughs> yeah. second. Come on. I, I, I literally <laughs> ate there last week. I was freezing. They have the best the best veal parm going. Oh, without wow. a doubt. I'm on 830 first. So. Next time you're in there, uh, the, the main bartender's name is Brian. Okay. Tell him Dominic. Okay. Tell him Dominic said hello. You got it. We'll have to all break bread there together, Dominic. Next <laughs> time we're all in New York. Dominic, next, next time you're there, you'll have to tell him that Corey said hello. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that's yeah. great. We'll have to go there together. For sure. I've, Dominic, been going, I've been going there for probably 20 plus years. Wow. It, it, it's funny. When I moved to the Upper East Side three years ago, my brother used to live here, and that was the first piece of advice he gave me. You got to go to Elio's. <laughs> wow. Look at that. Got to love that. Dominic knows his food. Got to love that. And have you been ordering in takeout and delivery a bit more throughout the pandemic? Yeah, we did, especially early on. Um, you know, we, we were definitely doing that early on. I think that's slowed down a bit now. You know, we're trying to eat healthy as much as we can. So we do more pre-prepared meal. Mm -hmm. plans, that sort of stuff. But uh, yeah, no doubt. There's been a lot more ordering in than before. And Dominic, what's the last meal on earth? Obviously, healthy food goes out the window. If that's like, that's it for you, what would you be thinking? You know, so uh, I, I come from an Italian heritage and uh, growing up and one of my favorite meals was always Christmas Eve, which is uh, in our tradition, the night of seven fishes. And so I would just recreate my Christmas Eve dinner. Uh, wow. Yeah. That's uh, all memories of that. Nice. Any sweet tooth dessert with that? Oh, there's always, there's always something, right? Right. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, it's tough. Yes, it well, is. Tough. We got to ask you the obvious question Chicago style pizza or New York style? Oh, no, New York. Yeah, yeah. There we go. He knows. Not, 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 even, not even close. As a matter of fact, I, I'm always on a hunt in, in Chicago for good New York pizza. We drove, I live in the suburbs. 
my wife and I drove 50 minutes last weekend to go try a new place to see if it was, you know, authentic New York pizza. How was it? It was all right. Not the same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's tough. Nothing. How do you compete? How, how do you compete with Joe's and, Joe and, and John's. Joe's and John's? I mean, those right. are my favorite. Yeah. Wow. And before you leave, Dominic, where could our viewers find you? I'm sure there's some people that might be interested in retaining your services. Yeah. So um, they can always email me at drinaldi at sunacquisitions.com. And I strongly suggest people go out and check out the podcast, M&A Unplugged. You can find it on all the major uh, podcast platforms and on our website. And we've got a ton of free resources for people. You want to download a, a diligence checklist, uh, there's some free assessments, lots of stuff that people can access for free to help them get smarter and, and better prepared. Awesome. I'm pumped to check it out myself. I'll be tuning in. Great. But Dominic, we really appreciate the time, man. And let's uh, all keep in touch and hopefully get a meal in together soon. That sounds great, guys. Thanks. Nice to meet you all. You nice too. To meet you. Thanks uh, for coming yeah, on. All right. Day. Take care. Take yeah. care. Yeah, guys. That was a lot of fun. Dominic Rinaldi. Uh, that was cool awesome to hear about. Job. That's quite the day-to-day. -day. Yeah, seriously. It's a really cool job. Yeah, very cool. So that was cool that he came on and, uh, you know, maybe we'll be in that world at some point down the road. You know, there it's been such a hot topic in our space for so long. It's cool to actually speak to somebody that does that for a living. And that's yeah, cool that you're exactly. a company. Yeah, I know. I thought that was interesting that that's how he got involved because we never think of it on that end. We're used to, you know, we started a company and we're never, I, I don't think we've ever even thought in those terms. I know our father, Corey, a couple of times has brought that up over the years to Dan and I, like, oh, you know, you could always buy businesses too. That sure. it's, it's so hard to think in those terms because if it's not your vision and you're taking over someone else's, it has to be something you believe in so wholeheartedly next level. I, I find that to be a challenge to even think about. It's a challenge, but if it has more resources and the balance sheet is good, it might just yeah. need. Yeah, and a lot resources. of the times people do it not necessarily following a passion, but you know they're trying to just get into some sort of profitable venture. And like I know before the pandemic, Darren, after he sold Hungry Ducks, was kind of going through a similar process where he was just looking at businesses that were available for sale not within a specific niche, just, oh, this is for sale. This could be a cool thing to do. Like this makes money. Maybe I could take it over and run it. You know what See, I mean? My, my response to that though is like, and I get it for certain people. I just look at that as I'd rather just own stocks than buy an established business that I have to maintain. That sounds like way more work. Well, that, I don't have an issue with that. If you own stocks, it's great, but you don't have a passive income to then put into the stock market. If you own a business, you're making money to then be able to put into stocks. You know, you're making money if it's working. I, I think that's a, yeah, of, course, yeah. of course. And that's why yeah. Dominic exists. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it yeah. buying a business, you got to buy a good one or you're just creating a headache for yourself. And you have to imagine there's so many people that will buy businesses and not actually do their due diligence. He said there was, and we know that's the case where someone might have a ton of money, whether it's from like winning the lottery and inheritance, whatever, maybe it's newfound cash or someone that's just bored where they're like, oh, this seems cool. I'm having a midlife crisis. Let me jump into this. I always think back about like these certain restaurants, specifically in my town, and I'm sure you guys can relate, but there's like a shopping center in my town. One, there's this one place where literally it must've been 30 different businesses since I've been alive. And it's like, why do people keep 
like how do they not do their due diligence and see this location clearly just doesn't work no matter what you put in there it ends up going out of business i know i mean I, dude that, it's, uh, it's frustrating that's definitely one of those things because i know what you mean there used to be a couple of locations in boulder like that with restaurants and i feel like mm -hmm. new owners coming in just don't know the history of what's the turnstile yeah of just extinction what was that place in bloomington that fish place downtown Corey? samara samura yeah, I think that's still in business, though. Still there, but there was that place next door to it. What was that spot? Oh, yeah, that, not Grub Club. What was that spot? Not Grub Club. What was it called? Well, it, it, it turned in. It turned into King Doe. I'm trying King to think Doe. of what it was before that. Before that, it was something. But yeah, that spot has always been interchangeable. Dan, there's been this place in Bloomington. It's literally a death wish for anyone that takes it over as a business. Like you know, it's screwed. And I, I don't understand going into that if someone's buying it where they're like, wait, so what happened here before? And there's been six in a row of just- That's what I'm stuff. saying. It's like, you say, yeah. the, the corner in Boulder kind of broke that spell. That was a location that was just one failure after the next. And that guy made it work. The corner well, the bright side of that, when you have take over some location that never works, you probably get it at a pretty good deal. That, that's probably what it is. Smart. And then if you- you know, if you figure it out, then all of a sudden you're sitting on a nice gold mine. It's so true. interesting, but yeah, guys, this was a good one. And, uh, yeah. I guess I lost my lunch, so I'll be starving tonight and starting off next show, eating some crap that conch sense. <laughs> Dude, my apartment smells like crap from that bag of jelly beans he gave me. Oh, man. I literally I opened it and I, I left it open over there and it just smells like bar, it's bar dirty socks. Like it tell contrast to put you up in a hotel tonight now. <laughs> <laughs> Did you uh, taste any of them that were gross? I only got the peach, but I, I'm kind of interested in uh I gave Dorman a few and he ate all of them and he was like <laughs> he was disgusted. <laughs> oh yeah, I remember that. You the Dorman prank. Yeah, because I wonder yeah. like, how you put dirty socks into a taste. There's like so many, it's funny. There's so many YouTube videos of people eating this and like, that's the whole video and their reactions are ridiculous. <laughs> oh man. We, we gotta, you know, we gotta get Jeff Dorman on air, newfound father, maybe even Greg Aronson. Congratulations to Corey's brother for having a talk about, I wanted to bring this up on air before we get off. Corey and I were joking about it, Dan. Talk about a great business idea, baby naming consultants. I think Greg and Stacey Aronson should be anointed right off the bat. New parent, Ruby Harlow Aronson. First off, I didn't even know. I must have missed because the group text is so active. Congratulations, Corey. That's awesome. Thanks, Dan. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. I met her on Saturday for the first time, so that was exciting. Could and you tell Corey if she's a future UCLA softball scholarship player? <laughs> I feel yeah, like you have a pulse on that right away. She's a little thin right now. She's like six pounds, so... You know, she's got to bulk up, but you hopefully know, not. could be one of those speed demons that ends up just being a beast at like singles, doubles, stealing bases. Yeah, just she, can't get her out. Seems like the next like Ricky Henderson. Wow, <laughs> Ruby Henderson. <laughs> Ruby Henderson. <laughs> yeah, so that, that's pretty crazy. That'll be fun to uh, see Greg's daughter grow up. I'm sure she's going to be a hell of an athlete because Greg could have been a NFL kicker, in my opinion. When I first yeah, met him, I thought he played linebacker on the football team. But then I saw he took a 60-yard field goal in his sleep. And I was like, what are you doing, man? Get on the football field here. I know. A soccer player for sure. Yeah. So that'll be cool. And uh, 
yeah, that's all I got, guys. Anything else you wanted to touch on? I think that's it. Have a uh, good night. Orders have got Parma launching right now. Great job, Corey. Let's go. And I was about to say rolling market mashup. Uh, bootstrapped in the trenches. <laughs> YouTube. Uh, would really appreciate if you could leave a review. We got to boost up these reviews. We haven't really been pushing that, but thanks for tuning in. We're going over a year strong now. Pretty crazy. Yeah. If you like it or even hate it, no matter what, just give a comment. We're used to it. And if you hate it, you should tell a friend to listen to it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Bootstrapped in the trenches, making moves going all out. Every day handle business. You know that the hustle don't stop. Got my team, let's get it. Reviewing books and talk stocks. Steady keep it moving. So you gon' wanna tune in. Get low down, it's an app. Get local food on demand. Delivery right to your home. Everything in the palm of your hand. Took hard work and dedication. Come through, join the conversation. This is history up in the making. We just wanna be an inspiration. Hey, let's go.
strapped in the trenches Making moves going all out Every day handle business You know that the hustle don't stop Got my team, let's get it Reviewing books and talk stocks Steady keep it moving So you gon' wanna tune in Get Lodell, it's an app Get local food on demand Delivery right to your home Everything in the palm of your hand Took hard work and dedication Come through, join the conversation This is history up in the making We just wanna be an inspiration Hey, let's go